0: I'd like to welcome you this morning to West Irwin Church of Christ. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know that we're extremely pleased that you've chosen to join us with, uh, this morning in our worship. If you're live streaming with us, we want you to know that we're uh, glad that you're a part of our service as well. We're going to begin our worship service this morning by singing number 626, Christ for the World We Sing.
1: Christ for the world we sing, the world to Christ we bring, with loving zeal, the poor and them that mourn the faint and overborn, sin sick and sore.
0: our next
1: song will be uh, having our shepherd's prayer we'll love someone more dearly every day to help a wandering child find his
2: Good morning, glad everybody's here today. Uh, before, uh, before I get started, there's one thing I wanted to mention. I have it on good information that today Morris Hallman is 180 years old. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry, he's uh, 80 years old. So, anyway. Don't forget the attendance cards uh, fill those out, please. Leave them in the pew or check in on your phone. That would be great. Uh, a couple of announcements. Uh, Fred Wingate will meet with his doctors next week to discuss the results of his kidney biopsy and a plan of care. Mary Lee's cousin, Charles Etheridge, had four bypasses and an aortic valve replacement surgery on Thursday. So we'll keep those folks in our prayers. Uh, Today they sent a fireman to do a sales pitch, so we're going to see how it goes. In Matthew 19, verse 13, the Bible reads, Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuke them but Jesus said let the children alone do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these we've been blessed with many children here at West Irwin and we have a need for Bible school teachers so that we don't hinder our children we got many talented people here at West Irwin They're loving, caring folks that are really good. They're good at what they do. Now, I'm not sure why the disciples said what they said in that passage, but they thought they had a good reason for it. I don't know what it was. And you know, we often have good reasons, too, for things we don't do. Sometimes we're too old, sometimes we're too young. Sometimes we're not smart enough to do something. But Jesus said not to hinder the children. So I'm asking you, if you would, please talk to Donnie Cook. She's very talented with using people's talents that they have. She can place you where it would be good for you and good for the children. It will be a blessing to you. It will be a blessing to the children and it will be a blessing to this church if you do that. So the elders uh, want to support Donnie. We want to give her uh, all the things she needs to do, what she needs to do for her children we just sincerely ask of you, please help us with this mission. Let's pray. Holy God, we bow before you today, acknowledging that you have spoken into existence the heavens and the earth and all that are within them. You've set your natural law in order so that nature itself proclaims your existence and reveals your power. We recognize your wisdom power and strength to cause all things to work towards your glory and honor. Father we come to you with confidence that you hear our prayers and know that you love us as your children. Today we want to glory and glorify and honor you for having saved us and blessed us because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We want to praise your name and proclaim you as our God. Father, we thank you for your church that you have provided as a refuge for us to encourage each of us and to help us gain strength in this battle against Satan. Help each of us to step up and be that good Samaritan to our neighbors. Give us opportunities to share the knowledge of your love and with those that need a Savior. Father, we ask that you bless our efforts here at West Irwin. Strengthen us spiritually, morally, and physically so that we are equipped for your service guide us through your words and help us to mature in our relationships with you and with each other. Be with our elders and deacons and members as we work in your service. Father, we ask that you would be with Fred Wingate and Helen Clark, Dave and Elaine Bell, and Marcia Richardson's mother, Margaret Sharp. Be with Candy Hilliard and Charles Etheridge father give them healing and comfort and peace forgive us father when we fail you and when we offend to disappoint each other help us to have a forgiving heart and a joyful spirit in Jesus name we pray amen
3: Good morning. I'm going to read from John 1, uh, 1 through 8, and then jump down to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And Matthew 10, verse 34 This is the words of Jesus. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. So what did Jesus mean by that statement? Well, we understand that to mean the sword, going back to the biblical example of putting on the armor of God, the sword is the word. And the Bible tells us that Jesus was equated to, or called, the Word. He is the truth. He is the life. He's God's Son. Last week, uh, Bill handled the communion thought. and He talked, uh, talked about Veterans Day this past week, and that's always a really good tie-in with communion because, you know, the, the war that people usually think about, World War II, very clear-cut, Contest between good and evil, and there was a lot of good people who laid down their lives to sacrifice themselves to defeat evil. So that's a really clear and pretty pure example of humans uh, acting, you know, in a way that God did, so we can draw the connection. Uh, But we're in a spiritual war. And the Bible tells us we're in a spiritual war. That's why it talks about the armor of God and putting that on. And uh, I'm a little bit of a history buff, and so a couple weeks ago, it just so happened that I was watching a video, and it, uh, was a, a, it went through day by day. It was kind of a running day by day snapshot, and it had the flags of each country in Europe and who controlled the territory. So if if the Nazis controlled a certain amount of territory, they're, they're, as they, their country expanded and took over more territory, the Nazi flag grew and covered more area in Europe and so on. And um, so it was, you're able to see visually the changes. And so what struck me, and, and everybody pretty much understands or taught in school what happened in the war, World War II, and, and what the you know, kind of beginning and middle part and end was like, but it was totally different to see that as a physical rep- representation day by day, how that changed. And what struck me was that there was no change for a long time. The Nazis pretty much took control over most all of Europe and held it for a long time. So I want you to think about what that was like for a second to be alive at that time. And some of you um, were alive back then. And uh, what it was like to live through that, to live your life knowing that evil was in control, and evil looked like it had the upper hand, and evil looked like it may take over the world, and that there may not be a way to stop that evil. What would your life be like that if you had to live under those conditions and deal with that every day? And so... uh, you know, that's that's a pretty... You know, stop and put your mind in that, that process. It's a pretty uh, unusual thing. But if you look at it from today's standpoint, do we not live in a day where evil is now seems like it's in control? Do we not look around us and see some amazing things just in the last couple of years where we see really bad things happening? And we look around and we say oh my goodness, this isn't the life that I knew a few years ago. It really seems like evil has, is starting to take the upper hand. It's starting to control. And so that is a very concerning thing. But we understand that Jesus has won the ultimate victory. Jesus is going to, God is going to win in the end. But what that also means is we have to fight. We have to put on the armor of God. We have to take the battlefield, and we have to push back against evil. And our weapon in the battle is the sword. It is the truth. It is the word of God. We need the full armor of God. That's true. But to go to what Ken was saying, We've got to take our swords out of our sheaths and get on the battlefield and fight. We need people in the Army to take the field and to fight the good fight. And so, all that being said, I want to thank um, the members of the church. We're going to be talking about, a, we have a slideshow here in just a second, I'm talking about the uh, uh, seminar that Kyle Butts put on. But... Uh, All that to kind of set up the fact that we have victory in Jesus. And so right now we can go to our Lord and we can thank him for what he did for us for winning the victory. That's what our communion is about. So if you would bow with me, we'll go to him in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, that you would send your son Jesus. To live as one of us, as a human here on this earth, to sacrifice himself willingly so that we could have forgiveness of our sins and a relationship with you. We take this bread, which we're told represents the body that he gave for us in remembrance of his sacrifice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. now let's pray again for the fruit of the vine. Dear Heavenly Father, your son bled for us and, and he went through a lot of very painful um, physical blows, and emotional blows as well when he was taunted. And um, we can't understand really what it was like for him to be part of you, part of God. And yet, partly man, and to have to be treated that way by the ones that he loved, that he, come to, that he came to rescue, to save. It's very hard to understand. But we're so thankful that he endured that shame and torment and physical abuse for us, that he shed his blood that this fruit of the vine represents, so that we might be forgiven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, um, so I've, Eric did a, a slideshow, and uh, we're going to be seeing it up here, and I'm going to just talk through this a little bit. I can't recognize everybody, uh, and I don't know how well you can see some of these pictures, but I um, can't recognize everybody that participated. Uh, Donnie Cook, obviously, um, a bunch of other people volunteered to, to help with the kids, and the cool thing is you can see them learning. The You see uh, Dale up in, in those pictures, and you see a lot of smiling faces, right? And again, to go back to what Ken uh, talked about, if you're going to have an army, you've got to have basic training. So what we're seeing right here is basic training. Uh, as Kyle Butts mentioned in the seminar Defending the Truth, our church loses less of our young people compared to the other religious, you know, Churches out in the in the world, and that is good. But we need to do better. And in order to do that, we need to teach the truth and defend the truth, understand the truth. We've got to be good with our sword. We've got to be good with our sword. We can't just focus on our shield and the defense. We got to go on the attack. Okay, uh, Kyle Butts did a great job. But the one thing that I want to, I want y'all to understand is. Um, it took everybody to pull that off. And so an army doesn't win with a single fighter. An army takes a combined effort to win. So we win together. We know we're going to win because Jesus is our Lord, but we need to also come together and fight. Uh, and I want to leave you with a positive thought here before we go into the communion, I mean, before we wrap up the communion. Uh, You know, Zig Ziglar was a great motivational speaker, and he used to tell an old joke about the two shoe salesmen uh, that were sent to Africa. And the first shoe salesman gets over to Africa, and he says, you know, calls back to the headquarters, and he says, this is a waste of time. Nobody here has any shoes. And so the second shoe salesman gets over to Africa, and he calls the headquarters back up, and he says, send me everything you got. The potential is unlimited and so going back to that example of the, of the, the battle and how things changed and things, if you, if in that slide presentation, things changed suddenly. The Nazis were in control and then all of a sudden here come the allied forces and then eventually they won. So we've got evil, the good news is, we've got evil right where we want it. Okay, That is the good news. We've just got to get in the, the battle and fight. And so one of the things I wanted to show you to illustrate this point, is a couple of weeks ago, the church gave out uh, to the new be- uh, young babies, had a little ceremony, and this was in the gift bag. And our granddaughter Sloan reads this every night. And one, one of her favorite things to do is read this. And she especially loves the part about Goliath. Um, so I wanted to just show you that and tell you that this is what You know, the seminar Defending the Truth, the money and the time that was spent on putting that on, these gifts, they add up. The money that you spend, the the time that you spend to to fight the fight, it amounts to something. It is real, and it has results. And I want to thank you, the, the leadership of the church, the volunteers, and I want to encourage you. It's been a long time since I have taught Bible school, but I'm thinking about heeding... Ken's advice and giving it a shot myself and you know going back to doing that so let's all get involved and let's fight together let's all contribute and let's all do the work of the Lord if you will let's pray over the uh, giving dear heavenly father we thank you for being the almighty all-powerful God who made us who understands us who loves us who gives us what we need to do your will. We thank you for the blessings. We thank you for the opportunity that we have now to give back. We pray that the funds that are given would be used wisely, would be used effectively, and would be given happily knowing that this is a contribution that will lead to victory, to your victory. All these things we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
0: At this time, all of our children are dismissed for their kids' programs. And if you would, please stand. And we'll sing ancient words uh, before Bill comes. <coughs> Holy words, Lord, preserve.
4: Ken, welcome to everyone, welcome to those online that are worshiping with us and are a part of our assembly today. We have a good crowd that is gathered today, and we appreciate uh, everyone's uh, being with us and um, certainly have a long list of prayer concerns, have some celebrations and birthdays and other things that uh, we enjoy being able to share together as a family as well. And I appreciate our shepherd, uh, Ken Culpepper, sharing about some of our needs, and I know that... Uh, that is being heard i 've got bad news for you, Chris Condor. What you said about volunteering is on our video now, so uh, we 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 shall all remember Chris is a wonderful man that is a- absolutely ready at a moment 's notice to step in, and I know we have a lot of folks like that, but we need some folks to step in, so I appreciate. Uh, Ken sharing that. Uh, we certainly uh, appreciate all of our veterans and uh, service veterans know what it's like to answer a call of need of need and to step in where needed. Today in our Family Life Center, uh, immediately following this assembly, we have some folks that will be sharing a luncheon for our service members, for all of those who are veterans. Whether or not you signed up to attend that luncheon, you are welcome to go across uh, West Irwin to our Family Life Center, and join uh, in that celebration and give us a chance to say thank you uh, for your service. Uh, we have so many others that are involved here, such as all of those who were involved in putting on this excellent Defending the Truth Christian Evidences seminar with Kyle Budd of Apologetics Press, and we do appreciate all of the work that was put out through there and all of the work that is put out in our congregation and in our church family on almost a daily basis, probably most weeks, a daily basis, there is something being done in this community and in this church by this members of this church family, and we are very, very blessed uh, indeed. One of the things that uh, we do is that we try to help each other uh, love our God, love our neighbor as ourselves, and be faithful to the commands of Jesus Christ. Our problem isn't knowing what those commands are, and specifically today, what the second great commandment is, it's keeping it. What is the second great commandment, according to Jesus? To love your neighbor as yourself. Most all of us know that. Even those of us that need to be reminded what the second great commandment is, we know in our hearts that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That doesn't come as a surprise. So our problem isn't knowing what the second great commandment is. It's keeping it. It's actually doing what that commandment commands us to do, which is to love our neighbor. Today and next week ends this series I've been preaching through over the last several weeks, how to be good bad guys. Uh, As uh, Chris alluded to, During the Lord's Supper comments, it seems like in our nation and in our communities, more and more, those who espouse Christian values, those who will uh, say that the biblical account of creation is true, and those who would trust in this book as the inspired and authoritative word of God, seem to be having less and less respect among certain groups in our communities and in our country. And so there are times, I think, when as with those biblical values, we are considered to be the bad guys. And the whole point of this series is to say, well, if there are some who consider us the bad guys, not everyone, in fact, some would say not even most, but a significant number, uh, if we are to be considered bad guys, then let's be the best bad guys that we could be. And what does that look like? How can we be good bad guys? That's the whole point of this. And today we're talking about loving our neighbor no matter what. Next week we'll look a little bit more as we close this series out at the tension that we are living under today. Trying to be faithful to the commandments of the Lord and also trying to be faithful to that call To be loving and accepting of others, which is also a commandment of God. There's a lot of tension there these days. And sometimes we don't know exactly how to deal with that. That's what we'll look at next week as we close this series out. There are scriptures on your outline that talk about the greatest and the second greatest commandment from the Gospels. Others that talk about how our faith is to be answered by our works and our deeds. That we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Jesus called us to do that. And I think that means loving our neighbor no matter what. Well, how do you do that? How do you love your neighbor no matter what? How do you love your neighbor when they are so unlovable? (laughs) How do you love your neighbor when they are so unfair to you? How do you love your neighbor when they're so, well, wrong (laughs) as we would understand it? How do we continue to love them even though we know that they are wrong? in their belief, in their actions, in their deeds, in their lifestyle, according to what we read in the inspired Scripture. If that's what we believe about them, how do we continue to love them and to show them the love of Christ? Again, in our previous lessons, we've been called upon to demonstrate our faith by our deeds, to be the light of the world. And so loving our neighbor, no matter what, must include speaking the truth in love. That's that scripture passage, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, speaking the truth in love. If we are going to love our neighbor, no matter what, then as was said, we need to pull that sword of the spirit out of its sheath and be willing to share it. Be willing to take on that spiritual armor and join the fight. But as we join that fight and as we speak that truth, we know that we are called to speak the truth in love. And so this morning I want us to look at all of those things. And and as we do, to remember those words that John begins his gospel with in John 1, as Chris read some from. That he calls on us to remember that Jesus came full of grace and truth. Not one or the other. Not all grace and no truth. Not all truth and no grace. But Jesus came full of both. And to reveal both grace and truth. We're reminded in 2 Peter 3 that the the Apostle Peter reminds us that we are uh, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Not one or the other but both. Hebrews tells us and reminds us that it's through the constant struggling and wrestling with this word that we find our faith growing. And if you're not growing in your faith and you say, well, I don't understand why I'm not growing in my faith, why my joy and my hope don't seem to be growing. My first question is, well, how's your Bible study going? How's your Bible reading going? I'm going to be emphasizing daily Bible reading again over the next couple of months and in 2022, and I have some of the uh, F. Legard Smith, the daily Bible books available if you would like to use that, and I'm going to start up my Facebook study again in January on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, and the point throughout the year is going to be reflecting on that week's reading from that daily Bible reading resource. So if you're interested in one of those copies, then be sure and sign up in the foyer or let me know, and we can always order some more. I have 12, so um, the count is going down. Loving our neighbor no matter what must include speaking the truth in love. If it was all grace and and no knowledge, or all knowledge and no grace, or all, all truth and no mercy, or all mercy and no truth, then there wouldn't be a call to do that. We would be called to either speak the truth or act in love, and not both. But loving our neighbor, whatever it means, in specific situations, it's going to mean different things, and it's going to look differently. And we're called upon to discern that. But whatever else it means, we know, we know, That to be faithful in loving our God and loving our neighbor, we must be speaking the truth in love. So this morning, I want to look at those three great parts of that statement. First of all, speaking. Speaking. And with each of these, we're going to be able to reflect on a choice that they call us to make. And speaking calls us to make this choice. The choice is to either be silent or to speak up. We'll close our service this morning with the song, People Need the Lord. Well, how, how are they going to get what they need if we don't tell them? We are to speak. We are to be speaking. And the choice is either to be silent or to speak up. And as Christians, we are called upon to speak up. Jesus tells us that in the Great Commission. We read his words in Matthew and Mark at the end of those Gospels in Acts 1, verse 8, to be witnesses in our immediate area and the surrounding area to the end of the world. And we see throughout the book of Acts that the first century church lived that out at great cost. They did not live in an environment and in a community that was sympathetic to their words or their cause or their values or their convictions, and they certainly weren't sympathetic to them sharing them, and yet they did. Again, at great cost. The apostles, Peter and John, were arrested in Acts 3 and 4. All of the apostles were arrested and beaten and flogged and threatened. In Acts chapter 5, we see that Uh, The first martyr, Stephen, was killed, stoned to death. Saul of Tarsus was finally converted, and he immediately started speaking and preaching this message that he had initially been trying to destroy. The mission journeys throughout the book of Acts find uh, Christian leaders teaching that message, speaking that truth in love. In Romans 1, it reminds us that we're not to be ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for salvation to the Jew and to the non-Jew. And that we are to confess with our mouths what we believe in our hearts. That's what Romans 10 says. We are to be speaking. The choice is to be silent or to speak up. And Jesus has answered that for us. We are to be willing to speak. Now, there may be some times where we Pause for a moment before we initially speak out, and that's where the rest of this statement comes into importance. And we're certainly called upon to listen first. But ultimately, we must speak. We must not be silent. So Paul tells us in Ephesians 4.15 that we are to be speaking, but speaking what? And that's the second point today, speaking the truth, speaking the truth. And the choice with this one is this, speak falsehood or speak the truth. There's so much in our community and in our society and in our polarized political structure today, each side accusing the other of speaking falsehood, we must speak the truth, not falsehood. We must say what is true, and there's only one source that we can go to that has that truth, and it's the Bible. It's the inspired and authoritative Scripture. We are called upon to speak the truth, the song, Ancient Words, reminds us. These words, yes, they're ancient, but they're still the truth. They're just as much the truth today as they ever have been, and they're just as vital and just as helpful and just as important and just as saving Speaking the truth. Not being silent, but speaking up. Not speaking falsehood, but speaking what is true. Jesus warns us in Matthew 7 that a tree is known by its fruit. (laughs) And he says that way that leads to life and salvation is narrow. The wide way, the broad way is the one that everybody goes on, and yet it leads to destruction. And that's... The choice between falsehood and truth. The true road is the narrow one. The one that's not quite as popular. The one that's not quite as easy and convenient. He continues on in Matthew 7. And he reminds us that if we are to uh, be saved, if we are to enter that kingdom of heaven, then we must not just call on him as Lord, but we must do what his word says tells us to do. That's the wise man who built his house on the rock at the end of Matthew 7. And I want us to turn to 2 John, the second epistle of John. It's only one chapter. We'll read a few verses out of that, verses 5 through 11. And listen to the importance that John places on speaking the truth. 2 John, verses 5... Through eleven And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. Verse 7, I say this because many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Verse 9, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. Well, a few things about this passage. First of all, in the first century, there were people who said that Jesus Christ had not come in the flesh, that he was not from God, that he was not the Son of God. And John refers to them as the Antichrist. So if someone asks you sometime, do you think the Antichrist is here today? Tell them what? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I think so. And I think there have been Antichrists in every generation There certainly were in the time of John in the first century. There have always been those who have denied that Jesus came in the flesh. Always those who have denied that Jesus is the Son of God. Scripture calls them Antichrist. And I think they've been around for about 2,000 years. And will be around until Jesus brings this all to a halt. But the passage continues on. And he warns us to make sure that we don't run ahead of what this Word says. Anyone who runs ahead, verse 9, and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. How important is that, John? In the verses that follow, he says, look, don't give any action that would uh, tend to give them the feeling that you approve of their work, that you condone their work. And this is from the man who was described as the apostle whom Jesus loved in the Gospel of John. This is from the man who began this very passage by saying, we are to love one another. And yet he has this strong statement, warning us, not only against those who would teach what is falsely doctrine and not the Word of God, but also reminding us that not only are we not to join them in that, we are not to approve of them doing that, we are not to condone them doing that. Why is that? Because it is important and vital that we speak the truth. Jesus himself said that over and over and over again. Unless you believe that I am he, John 8, 24, you will die in your sins. That's a very divisive statement. And yet it's the truth. If you hold to my teaching, he told the Jews around him who believed in him, then then you will know the truth. And then the truth will set you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, John 14, 6. And something very similar to what John just said in this reading. Jesus himself says in John 14, three times right away, in John 15, the same. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We live in a society and a culture that says if you want to express love for others, don't require anything of them. Don't hold on to any commands, much less commands that are 2,000 years old. And yet Jesus says, if you will be my disciple, you must hold on to those commands. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Thankfully, he gave his life because we will be imperfect in doing that. But that is our goal. That is our call. That is our desire. Why? Because it must be the truth that we speak. This evening, we'll begin again our our 5 o'clock Bible class uh, study. It's kind of reflective of what we used to call the Sunday night sermon. We'll do that in the chapel at 5 p.m., and we're going to be discussing challenging and encouraging chapters of the Bible. Tonight, we begin with the beginning, the creation. And I hope if you can, that you'll join us or that you'll join Donnie Carnathan's Zoom class at 5 p.m. Why are these things important? Because we are called upon to be speaking the truth. Speaking the truth. But as you know, there's one more aspect to this statement. Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. And again, the choice. The choice on this one is this. We can speak the truth in love or we can speak the truth in blank. What needs to go there? What's the opposite of speaking the truth in love? Well, we could put several things there, speaking the truth in hate, in selfishness, in arrogance, in cruelty, in apathy. All of those words and more would fit there. That's an option. We can speak the truth that way. We can do that selfishly, we can do that proudly, we can do that arrogantly, we can do that in a, in a cruel, uncaring way, or we can do it in love. Of course, the passage that everyone knows, John three sixteen for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not die, but have everlasting life. And then Jesus, before his death, calls us in John 13 to love like he loved. To love others as he has loved us. But perhaps in 1 John chapters 3 and 4, there's no better, clearer call to love neighbor as self. To love others the way Jesus himself has loved us. And so in 1 John chapter 3, it begins with this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. (laughs) It always begins with what God has done for us, the love that God through Jesus Christ has shown to us. He doesn't just tell us, get out there and love others. He first shows us what that looks like and how He loved us. When we were unlovable... (laughs) And then he says, okay, now I want you to love them the way I have loved you, the way I have accepted you, the way I have called you children of God. 1 John 3, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. It's not an option, one or the other. We can do what's right or we can love our brother. no. <laughs> Those are the same. Doing what's right is loving your brother or your sister. Loving your brother or your sister is keeping his commandments in front of them. And then 1 John 3, beginning at verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, 1 John 3, verse 18, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Why are we called to love that way? Because that's how Jesus loved us. That's how Jesus loved everyone, with actions and in truth. And those are not contradictory. Those actually come out of the same Bible, And then these words in chapter 4 of 1 John, beginning at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And as you know, this chapter goes on, and John says specifically, if you can't love a brother or a sister whom you have seen, you can't love a God whom you have not seen. God loved the world so much that He sent His Son. Jesus loved us so much that He died on the cross for us. And now He has called on us to love, to speak the truth, but to speak the truth in love. And I understand that Romans 12 says this, As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And it doesn't always depend on us. It doesn't all depend on us, but part of it does. And this is that part. The speaking the truth in love part. That's what depends on us, and we live in a in a culture and in a society that's that's again not very sympathetic to the teaching of this book. Joyce and I were watching um, Chicago Fire the other night. We watch all the Chicago's on Wednesday night. We record them and then we watch them because you know there's other stuff happening on Wednesday night, as you know. And so we record them and. And we watched them, and we watched Chicago Med and Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. We have to watch them all in order because that's just the right thing to do. And, um, <clears throat> and so this one episode of Chicago Fire, it's about a, a fire station and a couple of firemen. And, of course, everything you watch today on, in movies and uh, TV dramas, comedies, even commercials, there's going to be some kind of homosexual plot line. There's going to be some kind of gay or lesbian uh, encounter. That's where we are in the world. And that's true of of this movie, of this show, Chicago Fire. And so they were in uh, uh, this uh, bar, and they were sitting there, and they were talking, this uh, 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 gay couple, these two men. And uh, a couple of other firefighters didn't appreciate that. And they didn't agree with that. And so they come over, and they start uh, antagonizing them and speaking down to them and and calling them names and all of that. Well, some of the other firefighters in the, the place there they run those two guys out because these, these two men who were gay were their friends and co-workers and they didn't like seeing them treated that way. Well, one of the men that was run out, he waits outside in the truck and when those two men come out, he drives by them and throws a bottle at them and misses and hits the wall. Now, that's a great example of what we might say is speaking the truth but not in love not in love. Did they make their point? Sure. Did they win a convert? No. Instead they dishonored their cause, and they dishonored the Christ who gave us this word. It's like the story of the of the child was in first grade and and at the at the at the, in their class they were talking about um, churches and religions and what church you go to and all of that and And they asked one of the kids in the class, and they said, oh, I don't go to church. I'm an atheist. Well, one of the kids immediately shot up, you're going to hell. (laughs) Well, most don't respond to that strategy and that treatment. Whether we believe that that's the truth or not, it's not the truth in luck. Treating someone with kindness and love doesn't mean we condone their lifestyle decisions any more than treating someone judgmentally and cruelly means we're taking a faithful stand for truth. And next week, again, we'll speak about this tension in doing this as we end this series. If our goal is to make a statement and express our frustration or prove how right we are, then mission accomplished. But If our goal is to be a witness for Jesus, if our goal is to love our neighbor as ourselves, if our goal is to possibly save someone's soul, then we will have failed. Because yes, we must speak, and yes, it must be the truth that we speak, but we must be speaking the truth in love. And I tell you, some of these situations are very hard. I I don't know always how to do this, especially Today. I just know that we're called upon to do that. And we need to find that action that God is calling us to do. And we need to play the long game, not the short game. You know, I haven't golfed in years. Um, There's a few of our friends here that golf every Friday, and so far they haven't converted me yet. But I, I know the game enough to know about it. And I know there's a long game and a short game. And for the Christian, we're in the long game. Why is that? Because God is in the long game. He's in the long game with us, and he's in the long game with everyone that he sends us to. Which means that we do our part today knowing that we may not ever see the results, but that it could be a part of those results coming to pass. The reason Jesus came, the goal of the Lord our God is to save the souls of mankind. And if we are to do that, we must do what Jesus did. We must live and speak the truth in love. And when we do that, as Chris said, things will happen. We will see people responding. Maybe not right at first, but ultimately, why? Because no one does that today. No one. They speak, they speak what they think is the truth, or they don't speak at all, or they speak in love. And that's it. We are called to be speaking the truth in love. Because that's what our Lord did. You say, well, Bill, it got him killed. Yeah, yeah, it did. It doesn't change our call. It also brought people to God. And that's what will happen with us, too, when we are speaking the truth in love. If we are to be good bad guys, as we close this morning, if we are to be good bad guys, we must love our neighbors no matter what. No matter what. And that means living and speaking the truth in love. Sometimes it may be obvious what that looks like. Most of the time, not. Sometimes that will be easy. Some of the times, not. Sometimes there'll be a price to pay. Sometimes we'll see a breakthrough in someone's heart and in someone's life. We are called to be living and speaking the truth in love. If we can help you do that and live that, come as we stand, sing our song together. And i bread to, to feed the, the hungry. hungry Would, would you, you be, be so s- odd with me
1: That you would do just as I will Would you be light and light And love my word fulfilled Yes, I'll be poured out on likewise
0: First verse through one time and then we'll have a dismissal prayer. <clears throat> be silent, but as we speak out, Father, that we would do so in spirit and and truth, and then, Father, speak the truth in love. Be with us as we depart, Father. Be with us this week. Help us, Father, to look for doors of opportunity that we might reach the lost with the saving gospel of Christ. In the name of Christ we pray, Amen.